0: Welcome to Kishwaukee Bible Church.
1: Well, a merry and hearty and happy and blessed Christmas to each of you here. It's good to be together, uh, not only on the Lord's Day uh, this year, but also on Christmas Day. And, uh, you know, it always seems like all the preparations we make and all the anticipation. I mean, kids, does it ever seem like Christmas is ever going to get here? It takes so long. And then, boom, it's here. And for the grown-ups, all the preparation, right, all the things we do uh, to get ready for Christmas, the the decorating and the shopping and the Christmas tree and the shopping and the concerts and the pageants and a little bit more shopping, it all seems like all this effort, it's going to, it's way out there. And then here it is. Here it is. And it all comes down to this. And it all comes down to this story. I mean, after you've heard Jingle Bell Rocks for the 86,000th time, and after you've sworn off Christmas cookies, at least until next year, or maybe just until next week, uh, and after you've cleaned up the last scrap of wrapping paper off the living room floor.
0: It all comes back to this. A baby laid in a feeding trough. The sky lit with the glory of God. Shepherds quaking. Angels announcing peace. And a new mom
1: pondering, wondering in her heart what all this uh, must mean. It all, it all comes back to this, and it all comes back to this story. And whether you've heard the story once or whether you've heard the story dozens and dozens of times so that you could repeat it almost word for word, when December 25 rolls around, all of the other stuff, all of the, other, the other trappings and traditions of Christmas, they kind of they fade into the background. And we come back to this place, and we come back to this story. And isn't that right where we should be on Christmas Day in the morning, gathered as God's people, celebrating the birth of our King? And so let's take a few moments this morning and look at a story that is so familiar for many of us, uh, but it never ought to lose, we never ought to lose uh, the wonder uh, and and the awe of this story so wonderfully told. Luke in chapter 2 by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so let's look again at the story of Jesus' birth, and let's just move through it in three movements this morning, beginning uh, with the simplicity of Jesus' birth, and then thinking about the significance of Jesus' birth, and then thinking about the certainty of response to His birth. Jesus' simplicity of Jesus' birth, its significance, and then the certainty of responding to Jesus' birth. If you look at verses 1 through 7 in this familiar story, uh, Luke tells the story of Jesus' birth uh, with great economy of detail and with great uh, simplicity Uh, because it's a story of great humility, very, very humble circumstances. I mean, the whole thing happens and the birth happens in a place in Bethlehem because this couple has to pay their taxes. I mean, is there anything more humbling than paying taxes? And so all this craziness, they have to travel um, 70, maybe more miles, depending on how they made the journey, in order to register to pay taxes uh, in the city of of Joseph's lineage being related to David. Great humility. And there's also humility in the details that we're told that, that Mary is expecting. And it must be late in the pregnancy because we know that she's about to have the child here. But it's interesting how Luke tells us and speaks of her. He says that Joseph went to Bethlehem along with Mary, his betrothed. And of course, that is true, but it's probably also true that they weren't only betrothed to one another by this time, but that they had actually gotten married. Uh, It would have been probably quite scandalous for them to travel together, not as a married couple. And so by telling us that they were betrothed, Luke is reminding us that Mary was found to be with child during that betrothal. And while we know and Mary knew and Joseph knew of, of the supernatural circumstances of the conception of that child, I would suspect they had a hard time convincing all of their neighbors of that reality. And there's, so there's, humble, there's a humble aspect to this circumstance as well. And then we know that they get there, and the town is packed, and there's no room for them. It says there's no room for them in the inn, and it very might well might have been that they went to an inn, but... Bethlehem was a pretty small town. It probably didn't have a, 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 a public inn, even a, a, a Motel 6. Uh, there was no a light on left uh, for anyone there. Probably they went to spend time with, to stay with relatives. And the relatives said, sorry, we don't have any room, but you, know, you can go downstairs where the animals stay in that room, in the stable. And so there's, there's great humility in those circumstances, in the simplicity of Jesus' birth. And yet, we're told... That the days, the time had come, or literally the days were fulfilled for Mary to have the child. Now, there's a factual truth there that the, the days of her pregnancy had been completed. Uh, whether she was on her due date or day after it, or, it doesn't matter. It was time. Uh, every mom here understands that. When it's time, it's time. The days have been completed. And so she gives birth to a child, and in humble circumstances, uh, the best place that Mary and Joseph can find to lay the baby uh, wrapped in those swaddling clothes is in a manger, an animal feeding trough. But Luke is telling us something else when he says that the days were fulfilled, the days were accomplished. Uh, something bigger than the expectancy of one child. Because that kind of language we see in the Bible, that Jesus, we're told, was born in the fullness of time. Galatians, Paul writes that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so by telling us that the days were accomplished, the days were fulfilled, uh, the, our perspective is, is cast out even further to understand God is up to something here that is much more than one little town and, and much more than one little baby, that, that the days for God accomplishing his grand purposes for all creation are being fulfilled. The time has come. Listen to what is said about Jesus again by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 says that God made known his mysteries, this mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. What is God's plan for the fullness of time? It is you to unite all things in this baby born in Bethlehem. God is going to unite all things under the authority of his son. All of these promises that, that, we've, that we've looked at as we've worked through this season of Advent, thinking about how there was a seed of the woman promised, who would be God's champion, who would crush his enemy and be victorious. And how God promised to Abraham that he would make him a great nation in order that a seed would come through him who would be a blessing to all the nations. We're told it's being fulfilled in Bethlehem, in this stable. And God's promise to Moses that a prophet would come who would be greater than him, an even greater deliverer, is coming to pass. And his promise to David that, that a forever king would sit on his throne is happening now in the city of David. Something, something bigger, something more grand is going on here. God is fulfilling his purposes on this day. And He's he's doing it through these very humble, even difficult circumstances. And yet each of these circumstances is part of God's plan to accomplish his purpose in his way right on time and not a day later. They had to go to Bethlehem, even though they were from Nazareth, because there were prophecies that said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And Jesus had to be conceived the way he was conceived because the promise
0: was that a virgin would conceive. And there had to be no room for them so that the baby was
1: born in a stable, so that he was placed in a manger. Because as we see later in the story, that's how the angels told the shepherds to identify him. That would be the sign for you, that the baby would be lying in a manger. And so these circumstances that seem difficult and seem hard, God is using to accomplish for his grander purposes. And so the simplicity of Jesus' birth tells us that God knows exactly what he's doing. He is fulfilling his promises on time, in his way, for his glory, for our good. That's true of the big circumstance, that's true of of God's eternal plan, but it's also true of the way He works in each of our lives. I have a friend who was a really good golfer in high school, really good. In fact, um, his team was playing in the state championship golf round his senior year, and he was having a, a good round. Uh, But this was in Michigan, and the weather wasn't so good. The weather was horrible. It was cold, it was rainy, and partway through the round, his coach said to the team, guys, you can keep playing if you want, but this isn't worth it, let's just bag it. And the rest of the team quit, but he finished the round. In fact, he finished
0: number one. He had the lowest round. He was the best golfer in the state. Only he wasn't.
1: Because golf is a team sport. And if your team doesn't finish, your score doesn't count. And so he was the best, and yet he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't get to be All-State. He didn't get to be the medalist. And you can imagine that as a 17-year-old boy, that was very disappointing. So disappointing that it colored the rest of his senior year. And when it came time to decide what school to go to, he decided to go to a college as far away as he possibly could. And he began his freshman year, and he was still dealing with this disappointment, now in a very unfamiliar way, and there was somebody in his dorm who knew the Christ of Christmas that my friend did not yet know, and he shared Christ with him, and God opened his eyes to see the glory of God and the light of the gospel, and he was changed, and he
0: came to saving faith in Christ. all because of the circumstances of his life that were difficult.
1: See, God knew exactly what he was up to. He knows what he's up to in our lives through our difficult circumstances. He knows what he was up to here in fulfilling his promises through the simplicity of a baby born in Bethlehem. Well, the story is simple, and the details that God ordained are humble, But the significance is not small. And we begin to see the significance of Jesus' birth through the angel announcement beginning in verse 8. And it's this royal birth announcement that shows us the great significance of the event that is happening here. Just, Just as an aside, it's really important to see that what God is doing for his glory here in sending a Savior is happening in history, and in time. Luke begins uh, this story talking about historical events, historical people that we can trace, Julius Caesar, uh, Quirinius the governor, uh, a census that took place. And so what, what God is doing here and the purposes he's accomplishing, uh, they aren't happening like a fairy tale once upon a time or like a legend uh, in a, you know, long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. They are rooted in history. And the significance, significance of Jesus' birth can be seen through the angel announcement. First, in the messengers that are sent, in the message that they proclaim, and also in the recipients. Clearly, this is a big deal because God is sending his finest to make the announcement of his son's birth. Uh, Angels, obviously, it would be a big deal if you saw an angel to begin with. Uh, in the sort of realm of creation, uh, human beings reflect God's image, but, but angels have, have these powers and these abilities that, that are beyond human abilities, and, and they, they sort of work directly for God. Their, um, their title is angels. And angels means messengers. It means someone who is there to, to do God's bidding. And it says that an angel of the Lord, a select angel one of God's finest, make this announcement to the shepherds. And the angel did so with the background of something that is brighter than natural light. (laughs) It's brighter than any light bulb, namely the glory of God. And every time we read in Scripture about the presence of God, there is is great light, light that is is blinding, light that you cannot look into. Moses, he went up onto the mountain to receive God's law. And just by being in the presence of God, when he came down, he was so bright, he had to put a veil on, not for his benefit, but for the benefit of those uh, with whom he came in contact. And so this angel makes this announcement out in the fields, surrounded by the glory of God, what that must have been, unlike any fireworks show you have ever
0: seen. And as he's making the announcement, there joins him I appreciated that we sang the version
1: of O Come All You Faithful that says heavenly hosts and not citizens of heaven. I have a little bit of a pet peeve with that. I'm just going to confess. Confession in church, that's okay, right? We can do that. We can confess. Because this probably is a sin that I'm confessing. But the text says, not that they were citizens of heaven, but that they were heavenly hosts. That means they were heavenly warriors. This was a multitude of the heavenly armies, announcing the arrival of the great King who would win the great victory for God and His people. I mean, we think of angels, you know, bending to touch their harps and stuff like that. But maybe a more accurate picture. I mean, these were the special ops
0: of heaven. You know, picture a soldier in full uniform. Fully armed.
1: And there were hundreds of them throughout the skies. And they may have been singing. Armies sometimes sing. Or they may have been chanting. Armies chant glory to God in the highest. Hoorah! <laughs> and on earth, peace
0: among those with whom He is well priest. Hoorah! The messengers communicated by their very presence that something
1: epic is happening here, something grand. God is accomplishing his purposes, the light, the announcement, the angel armies singing God's praises, saying God's praises. And the message itself, never a more significant message than this, unto you has been born in the city of David a Savior. Who is Christ the Lord? Three titles for Jesus there, three identities for him that that fill out his grand person and his grand purpose that he is a savior. Here's here's Jesus' job. This is his role. This is the part that he is going to play in the unfolding drama of what God is working out for his glory here on earth and throughout the universe. He is going to be the savior. He is going to be the one to crush the enemy. He is going to be the one to redeem his people. And He is Christ. He's the king. He's the anointed one. He is Messiah. He is the forever king promised who will always reign and has come to reign
0: over his people for their good. He's the good king. And he is the Lord. Never been said about any other human being. Jesus was and Jesus is the Lord. That passage from Philippians that
1: uh, Mike referred to when he was praying, that Jesus, Jesus did, he was the Lord, he was fully glorious, he deserved all that light as the second person of the Trinity, with God the Father, forever and eternal, in, in eternity, enjoying one another, glorifying one another, and yet he did not consider that glory something that he had to hold on to.
0: But the Lord Jesus was willing to set aside his glory and take on this, human flesh, to become one of us, fully human, setting aside his glory in order to be our Redeemer. The prophet called him Emmanuel, God with us.
1: Now the Lord is with us. Heaven and earth have
0: been bridged through this baby born at Bethlehem. Grand messengers, a glorious message,
1: unique messengers, a -a one-of-a-kind message. This has never happened that the word would become flesh and dwell among us. And then there are the recipients of the message. The message is glorious. The the messengers are glorious. The message is unique. But the recipients, well, they're shepherds. And, you know, nothing against shepherds. I mean, a lot of great people in the Bible were shepherds. I mean, Abraham and and Jacob were kind of like shepherds, and Moses was a shepherd for a time, and David began as a shepherd. But that's just it. That was kind of a stepping stone to to better things. Being a shepherd is a pretty common, pretty average, pretty ordinary occupation. Um, I was trying to think is there any kind of, we don't have a lot of shepherds. I don't know, anybody here is a shepherd? Uh, you spend time with shepherds. I don't. I don't even know if I know one shepherd. But I was trying to think of an occupation in, in our world that might be similar in terms of being just a very down-to-earth, blue-collar, very average occupation. And, and I thought of, of uh, lawn maintenance. Uh, it's a good job if that's your job. It's, it's, it's good work. It's honest work. It's, it's hard work. Um, you get up early. Uh, you, you get done late in the evening. Uh, you're outdoors in, in all kind of weather, but it's very common to see you know, lawn maintenance guys, the teams going out, crowded into the trucks. It's, it's a very We don't think about lawn maintenance unless you're, you're one of those people or unless they're mowing your lawn. And can you imagine if the Pentagon had a huge announcement to make that they would send a five-star general and hundreds of troops to you know, watermen to one lawn maintenance team that's doing one job at an office building there? I mean, can you imagine that that, that kind of effort and, and that kind of extravagance would be made to communicate a message to folks doing a very everyday, blue-collar, average Joe kind of job? And yet, that's how God chose to make the announcement of the birth of his son, the Savior, who
0: is Christ the Lord. What is he telling us there? I think he's telling us exactly what the angels told
1: the shepherds. That today in the city of David has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that this, this good news, this gospel message of great joy is for all the people.
0: It's not just for the people we think are really important, but it's for the average person. It's not for the well-connected only. It's for all of us. It's not for the
1: really religious who seem to have it together. It's for everyone who struggles. This good news of great joy, notice the shepherds are told, Unto you is born this day in the city of David. Now, we get birth announcements from time to time, um, but they're always from people we know. Mary Mary and Joseph didn't know these shepherds. And yet the birth announcement comes to them
0: that, that this baby has been born unto you. Unto you. This child is born. Look at at what God is communicating through this message. The significance of the
1: message is that through Jesus, heaven is meeting earth.
0: Through Jesus, heaven and earth come together for you and for me. Jesus
1: is going to be the one who is uniquely gifted and equipped to bridge the gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness, our need for a Savior, our need to be reconciled. Because he's going to become like us in every way, and his body is going to be beaten, and that body is going to die in the place of sinners like us.
0: For you, unto you, a Savior has been born. What is the significance of
1: Christmas? What is the significance of Jesus' birth? That in Jesus, heaven and earth come together for you, for us. Unto us, a child has been born. And that leads to the praise and the worship of the angels, that this child coming to us is going to bring glory to God,
0: And he's going to bring peace, shalom, well-being, flourishing to people. The way that God's people knew it in the very beginning in
1: the garden and the way God promises to make it in the very end in the new heavens and the new earth. The news of Christmas is that Jesus is God's gift for you. For you, unto us a child has been born. And friends, news like that demands a response. You can't not respond to that. There is a certainty of response to a message like that. That heaven and earth have been bridged. And we see the response. uh, Luke shows us several responses in the final verses of this passage, beginning in verse 15. Uh, There is a response of the shepherds you got to love these guys. Uh, They are compelled to go. I mean, we've got to go see this thing. They don't even know what to call it. Let's go see this thing, this baby in a feeding trough that we've been told about. And so they, they make haste. They hurry. They hightail it into town. And once they've seen the baby, they are compelled to make it known. They tell of it. And then they are compelled to worship. Uh, The passage ends with them going out and glorifying and praising God for everything that was exactly the way the angels had told them. We also see the townspeople who heard the message from now the shepherds responding as well. They responded, the text says, uh, with wonder. All who heard this, um, verse 18 says, all who heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told them. They wondered, wow, this is a big deal. Not sure what it means, but I can't can't ignore it. I wonder what it's all about. But notice how the townspeople's response is contrasted with Mary's response. They wondered in verse 18 what this was all about. But 19 says, but Mary... Mary treasured up these things in her heart. She treasured these things, pondering them in her heart. She treasured them. In other words, this event that had just happened was was precious to her. It it was valuable. She was cherishing it. Now, I suppose that could be because she was a first-time mom, and that certainly is a big deal. But I think it's clear that the reason Mary valued this and was treasuring these events because she had been told about the significance of her child. Back in chapter 1, we read of the angel Gabriel visiting her and telling her that she is going to miraculously bear a child, that his name is going to be Jesus. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be great. He's going to be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give your child, Mary, the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now here she is with the child and Joseph in the stable, baby laying in the manger. And shepherds are coming to worship. And they're telling about angels making a grand announcement in the glory of God. And Mary is taking all of this in. So she pondered it in her heart. In other words, she knew there was meaning attached to this. This wasn't just a display for the sake of display. Everything that was happening, God was doing, and He was doing it for
0: a reason, and it had meaning. And she was pondering that in her heart. Worship, uh, wonder, treasuring, the response
1: of the shepherds and of the townspeople and of Mary show us that the news of Jesus' birth cannot be ignored, whether you're hearing it for the first time this morning, or whether you've heard it dozens and dozens of times before.
0: It cannot be ignored. It can't be ignored, not the way you can't ignore
1: a toothache. But it can't be ignored the way when you're driving through the mountains and you, you round the corner and suddenly there in front of you is a, is a beautiful vista, a valley below and the mountains rising above. And you almost go off the side of the road because you,
0: you can't help it. You, you have to look. You can't, it can't be ignored. The news of Jesus' birth can't be
1: ignored the way that when you listen to a world-class symphony in in person and and you hear that music and you're you're taken to another place and, and you don't want it to end, you can't ignore it.
0: The news of Jesus' birth can't be ignored the way hearing someone say, I love you, can't be ignored. Or hearing, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is good news, the gospel, good news of great joy.
1: God is with us in Jesus, and He is for us. Jesus is joy for the world. It has arrived in the fullness of time. He has come. He is here. And through the child of Bethlehem, God is going to receive the glory that He deserves for keeping His promises in all kinds of people, all those upon whom His favor rests, all of those who
0: who look to Him and experience His grace will know great joy. I don't know if there are any gifts left under your tree at this point.
1: I was talking to some of the kids uh, before the service and some of them had opened their
0: gifts and some of them hadn't opened their gifts. But I know this. If at the end of the day, there's only one gift under your tree and it has your name on it, you're not going to ignore it. You're going to open that gift. You're going to receive that gift. Friends, Jesus is the gift given to us. He
1: is the one to cherish. He is the one to treasure because all of the promises of God
0: are yes and amen in him. In him, God is fulfilling all his promises
1: to redeem and restore all that has fallen and all that is broken in
0: this world. And the message this morning is that is unto you. That good news of great joy is for you, and it's for me.
1: And so I invite you on this Christmas Day to treasure this
0: gift, to receive the gift of Jesus. To look to Him as your Savior, to include Him in your celebrations, and to look
1: forward to His return. This is Advent Sunday. We celebrate Jesus' first arrival. But we look forward to His second coming. And the Bible says there are going to be angels involved in that as well. The shouts of the angels will come. Crack open the skies and Jesus will return. He came as the humble king who laid down his life and won the
0: great victory. And he will return as the triumphant king. Treasure him today. Amen. Lord Jesus, we praise you today. You are
1: joy for the world. You are joy for us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our eyes again to the the glories of our Savior. We love to sing and think of his birth and uh, the wonder and, and the miracle that it was. And we love to sing of his life and his death and his triumphant resurrection. And now his reign is king at your right hand. We praise you for that. And we sing of the joy that through Jesus has dawned on us. We pray in his name.